Hi, I'm Felicity and welcome to We Are YA The Check-In, a weekday chat with young adult authors. We're checking in and seeing how your favourite YA authors are doing at home during this very unique time and, of course, talking about their books. My guest today is Laura Beth Johnson. As an only child, Laura Beth grew up telling herself stories and reading past her bedtime. She spent her adulthood collecting degrees, careers and stamps in her passport before realising her passion for creating fictional worlds. When she's not writing, she's teaching college English and learning new languages. She lives in Davidson, North Carolina, with her little roommate, Colcaterre the Yorkapoo, and Goddess in the Machine is her first book and it comes out this June. Laura Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm so This is sort of the first time we get to speak to you um, yes. about your book and everything, really, yes. isn't it? Yeah. First well, time first... we get to talk about it. First time I've been on a podcast. So oh, first. look at that. We're ticking all the boxes. <laughs> well, I have to, before we get into Goddess, because I have so many questions, but I have to ask, so you're still, you're in Davidson still, North Carolina? Yes, Davidson, North Carolina. It's a small little college town uh, north of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the town's spirits and communities, everyone's doing okay there? Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty quiet. It's it's a small town with a small town um, kind of sensibilities. So everybody's kind of banded together to um, help save the small businesses. Um, there's lots uh, been lots of um, kind of campaigns to do what they can um, to make sure everybody uh, in the area is staying afloat. So, um, you know. Things are hard, but uh, they feel hopeful. Well, that's nice. I love that. Yeah, small businesses need our love at this time especially. So if you're listening and you've got a small business that you can support and do it well, please do so. So let's talk about Goddess in the Machine because (laughs) it is one of my favourite reads of 2020 um, and it's not even out for like half the year. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited for everyone to be able to read it. But for those who've not heard anything about this book before at all and this is the very first time they're hearing about it, what can you tell us? Um, So Goddess in the Machine is uh, about a girl named Andra who goes into cryonic stasis for a space journey. Um, But when she wakes up, she finds out that it is a thousand years in the future. And she's in this weird um, desert village and everyone is calling her goddess. Uh, so this world that she now finds herself in um, doesn't really comprehend technology the way that we comprehend technology. Uh, it's now called magic. Uh, and so uh, it's seen as, as this kind of supernatural thing, um, which is why they thought her frozen chronic body um, uh, made her some kind of sleeping goddess. Mm. So mm. now she has to navigate um, this new society um, if she's not a good enough goddess, um, they're going to kill her. Um, <laughs> if she's too good of a goddess, this uh, bratty boy king character will kill her. Uh, and then she comes to find out that the fate of, of this world is in her hands. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a perfect recap, or not recap, but like a what's happening in this book. And it is, it is crazy. I mean, I also think in, in a nutshell too, it is probably one of the worst cases of oversleeping in YA, in, in YA books ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think because this trope particularly, you hear this sort of plot point before of characters, but it's usually waking up too soon mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not waking up too late, which I love the twist on mm-hmm. that. And the twists in this book particularly are just epic. Like <laughs> you've laid out what seems to be like a lot of plot, but that's nothing in terms of what happens in terms of the twists and the turns and revelations. And I, I know that your inbox is going to be full of people yelling at you about certain <laughs> things. 
Did you have this whole plot point really mapped out before you started or was it something that things came to you as you wrote? Um, so I always start with concept um, mm-hmm. rather than plot or characters. And so there, uh, a lot of my concepts revolve around um, what ends up being a twist or a reveal later in the book. Um, so during the plotting process, um, there was uh, a sense for uh, many of these revelations uh, already existed. Um, but there is a enormous reveal, um, which I can't talk about now, but maybe <laughs> you and I can talk about later, um, that I didn't know until three or four drafts in. Um, I was really struggling with the book and had actually put it aside for a few months. I was doing dishes and I just had this idea um, of, of this kind of uh, twist, this uh, way that we could, I could take the book. And I um, texted my critique partner and I was like, this, this is just too, too crazy to do. Right. Like I, I can't do this. And all she did, uh, all she wrote back was do it in all caps. Um, and I think that, um, that was one of those cases where it really took me by surprise. Um, and, uh, changed, it, it completely changed, uh, how the book functions. Mm. Well, I think when you the, the brilliance of this book is that when you say an enormous twist that I can talk to you about later, I'm thinking of three different things. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, it could be this one we're talking about. It could be that one. There's just so much and, and, and good twists. Like, I think the skill of a twist that you've done so well in Goddess is it actually matters and means something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just a shock value, like, surprise. There's actual consequences and stakes that make mm-hmm. sense to why that happened or why it went that direction. And I think... Um, and it, it, part of that is is because those twists are so baked into the plot, mm, um, but mm. I have a tendency to not tell the reader things. Um, and uh-huh. so I don't think um, initially I intended a lot of those to be twists or revelations. It was just me realizing I had never written it down. <laughs> <laughs> so you were being twisty without meaning to. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> Well, another thing I love about this book so much too is that it's set in the future where language has really evolved and really changed and words have completely mutated into different things and the people that Andrew meets almost speak a different language mm-hmm. that's still sort of English but not really. Um, I got to know, is there a dictionary for the Goddess Time Machine? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, except for I'm sure um, what the copy editors and proofreaders made, which I haven't seen. Um, and I know uh, marketing put together kind of a um, uh, definitions for a few mm. words, um, which is more ag- organized than I ever was um, <laughs> with the way that this, uh, this language came about. And it was even give, uh, difficult to give feedback on um, the definitions because that's not how I thought of the language. So I didn't mm-hmm. sit down and develop it before I started writing. Um, it uh, evolved as I was writing it, kind of like language evolves as you use it. Um, language being socially constructed, it's not something that, you know, a committee sat down and invented and now we all use it with these rules because someone decreed it to be so Um, Mm. it just it evolves over time and uh, we use it the way we do because it we found it to be effective and I that's kind of how I evolved um, the language for this Um, and instead of you know giving myself a dictionary or uh, guidelines or rules um, it just started to become instinctual and I used it the way that I would use you know regular English Mm. 
Well, and I, I don't know if it was just me, particularly being Australian who lives in America. It really resonated with me because there are ways that we play with words, mm-hmm. and especially in Australia, shorten words because we're very lazy speakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I just I saw so much of it in in the way that like the the language of the people that um, Andrew meets mm-hmm. is so playful mm-hmm. in a way. Like again, was that like an intent? Like, did you kind of really think about it that way, or just it just rolled? It's um, all rooted in a few things. One is um so originally when I sat down to write this book my idea I'm I was going to go full Tolkien and this was going to be an accurate portrayal of what English would look like in a thousand years and I started inventing this new language and quickly just got so frustrated and overwhelmed and it was just completely uh inaccessible um and so I dialed it back to this um this half dialect half um pigeon uh, language. And so um, I had from back when I had just dis- originally decided to create a new language, I had a list of rules of um, mm-hmm. sounds and, and phonemes that this, uh, this society could make with their mouth. Um, and so that would kind of cut words out um, that that we use. And so I would have to replace them. Um, but also um, the decisions that I made were very rooted in the culture and what mm-hmm. their kind of shared experiences, because so much of our language is based off of shared experience and the way that we, we communicate based off of this, um, you know, communal history that we have. Yeah. No, it's so, it's so beautifully down the page. And I, just, I think you. it brings a whole extra character to the book as well. Like it just roots you in that new world really quickly and immediately and you just get it you get a sense of it so thank you so much oh of course (laughs) it's really hard (laughs) i will never write in a dialect ever again um (laughs) but it's 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 nice to hear when it lands with people i guess that's probably going to be the answer to the thing from people ask you in the future if there's one thing you could change (laughs) (laughs) never write in dialects (laughs) that you make up (laughs) Well, and I think that's really interesting too in terms of a larger part of talking to you at this moment before the book is out, <laughs> before people have really started to read it and you've heard, you're hearing from readers and which characters they're connecting to. Like what are your feelings at this point? Like you've got the agent, you've got that excitement part done, mm-hmm. but now it's sort of that waiting moment. Is is it nervousness? Is it excitement? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Um, yeah. I think pretty much overwhelmed is the best word that mm-hmm. I can come up with. Um, they always tell you that, you know, debut year is, is so, like so much is going on. Um, you are, you know, you've never, you're learning all these new things. You've never gone through this experience before. And so all of these experiences are brand new and you're needing to adapt, um, and getting ready to, you know, release your baby into the world, um, Mm. while at the same time working on book two, um, which for me is a sequel and I've never written a sequel before. Um, and so, uh, there's, you know, learning all these new things, uh, in, you know, the release of book one, learning all these things with the release or with the writing of book two. And then we put a pandemic on top of that. Um, so I think it's just a a lot of learning all the way around. Um, and, uh, a lot of, uh, keeping really busy. Um, but yes, Mm -hmm. there is still that, that excitement, um, because it's, it's kind of surreal to have something that you created, something that was just like, 
your, you know, imaginary friends in this make-believe land being <laughs> taken seriously by other people and, and them getting emotionally invested oh, has yeah. been really uh, amazing. Oh, I'm super invested in your imaginary <laughs> friends. I'm like, I have like, there's, I, this, I need a sequel now and I, need to, and I need to know about certain things real quick. Oh, me too. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure fans are going to have a lot of questions for you. And we've, we put the call out earlier and asked fans if they did have questions and we got some great answers, which I think are great questions, which I think is sort of speaks to how many people are sort of aware of this and sort of this book is the little book of like, I think people are kind of like, I want to read it because I've heard so many things about it. So I'm going to ask you some from our Instagram DMs sure. and one is from Kel Sate uh, or Kel's eight could be either one of those. Uh, and they want to know is who is your favorite goddess in the machine character and why? Oh, so this is, um, this is tricky because I have um, characters that I would love to hang out with and then characters <laughs> that I love to write and they don't necessarily intersect. Um, so for instance, Jade, who is our other point of view character, is a ball to write um, because he doesn't really have um, a filter. Um, uh -huh. a, a lot of characters you have to gauge with the uh, or you have to filter the manifestation of their reaction or the way that they, you know, interact with things based off of what they, what they find appropriate and what is, you know, uh, acceptable. And that filter for Jade is, is very thin. Um, so it's mm. nice to, you know, his, his dialogue comes really easy. Ex I mean, except for the, the dialect, cause he's, he's <laughs> all in dialect. Um, but the way that he reacts to things is uh, just very easy to write, but I would not want to hang out with him. I was going to say, I was going to say, no. um, I don't, I don't trust that no, boy. He would irritate me. And I, I even found in the editing, um, about half of his dialogue got cut because I was so annoyed with him. <laughs> um, but I would love to hang out with a uh, little bit. Um, mm. She would be super fun and super encouraging. And she would just make you feel good about yourself all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, Louis as well. Um, it's just a good steady mm. presence. Mm. He would be an excellent friend to have. There's a lot of good friends out there in this book as well. And then there's a lot of people who are just terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Certain people in particular, I'm not going to spoil it, but there are certain people in particular who are just, I, I'm going to love how much people are going right. to hate them is what I'm excited <laughs> yes. for. I can't wait for that. Come July, everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, I hate this person. I'm like, yes. Um, this next question comes from Twitter, and it's Chloe, the elven queen, and she wants to know is, what were some of the struggles and triumphs of handling plot twist after plot twist, but also trying to develop characters to move their personal stories forward? Which I think yeah, is a great question. Um, absolutely. Um so I think the big thing with uh, plot twists is they they should never change the character's arc. They should complicate mm. the character's arc. Um, so when um, when this revelation when they when they discover this revelation, it doesn't really change the journey that they're on. It just makes it that harder and makes it that more um, clear um mm. what what they're up against um and i think that um part of that you know in in these twists that were part of the plotting process um 
I was working backwards to develop a character who would um, interact with these uh, revelations in a way that would be most, you know, satisfying to the reader. Um, but the the plot um, revelation or a plot twist that I didn't know until a few drafts in um, I couldn't just throw that twist in and call it a day. I had to go through some extensive rewrites to make sure that that twist is, is satisfying, not only narratively, but satisfying for the character. Um, so to answer that question, it, it gets really complex because you have all of these moving parts that are happening at once, but have to be interconnected. Mm. Mm, that's great advice too for any aspiring mm-hmm. writers out there to think of that when they were sort of laying out their stories. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. Okay, so this next question comes from the Instagram DMs and it's from Maya L. Writes and they want to know is what is the most challenging part of writing sci-fi but also what's your favourite thing? So a bit of, bit of two questions. So the most challenging thing for me is that um, in my science doesn't really <laughs> – exist as science um i'll send uh, my critique partner is uh very science-minded and i'll send stuff to her and she'll say um this isn't science this is magic (laughs) so um (laughs) it's trying to find things that are plausible but also things Mm. that um transport you uh to this this you know magical escape um so that's a struggle for me, but I really love um, how sci-fi works as an analog to our own world, um, but it's kind of a mm. safe space to explore um, certain things. Uh, so one thing that I've, I've discovered that a theme in all of my writing is death, uh, which could be really, really <laughs> gloomy, um, but uh, this sci-fi has given me an a, a safe space to explore that. So, um, you know, Andra hasn't been dead for a thousand years. She's been asleep for a thousand years. Mm. Uh, and so all of these, um, issues that, um, we confront as humans, sci-fi just gives you uh, a nice little playground, um, to explore in a safe way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. So true. Um, and the final question is from Mel's underscore view. And they want to know is if you could only read one book forever, what would it oh be? Oh my gosh. Like I, I wish know. you could have seen my face. Cause it, it was just, pure <laughs> horror. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a hard question. One book. I like, I don't even know if I can answer that. Um, no, it's, it's fun. No, I think it's a challenge. What's your favorite? What's your okay? What's your favorite? Book I of the will, last little while I will that say can... that I go back to Six of Crows quite often um, Ooh, to yeah. look at like pacing and, and character and tension. Um, but then, like, how can you have Six of Crows without Crooked Kingdom? Like one book, mm. I, I would have to find a standalone. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Eliza yeah. and her monsters. Maybe that's what I'll say. Ooh, yeah, good one good one yeah no but it's also like it's what day mm-hmm. of the week is it what time of the year mm-hmm. who knows like it's it's i i one book is never oh, i can't yeah. ever do it myself so i completely understand well speaking of recommendations though part of this part of the check-in is we check in with you about now that people are at home and they're looking at their downtime do you have any recommendations besides the ones you've already given about what people should be reading? Um, so I think uh, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, I would definitely recommend this mortal coil, um, which deals with mm. a, um, a, a virus that spreads very quickly. Um, and, uh, but 
instead of um, what we are seeing in the real world, this virus explodes people into a cloud of infectious mist. Um, and so Whoa. it has a lot of implications for the way that the world is structured. Um, but the, the science is just immaculate. It's um, so engaging and it's, it's hard science that's um, portrayed in a way that's completely accessible to people who aren't necessarily um, familiar with hard sci-fi. Um, so I would definitely mm. recommend that. And it's a good, I feel a good escapism um, to see how um, other people are dealing um, with a pandemic in this, like in a fantastical world um, rather than mm. the, the mundane way that we deal with a pandemic, which is to stay inside and get bored. So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, it's, I'm okay with the mundane. If this is if I wanted to do was watch Netflix, I'm okay with that and read some books. I got that down. <laughs> and speaking of Netflix, do you have any TV shows that people should be watching? Um, Anything they can so binge? I have been, um, yeah, I got Disney Plus and I've just been watching Star Wars stuff on repeat. And you know, the new, uh, the new season of Clone Wars is out. Um, and so, you know, just that has been really exciting. Um, and one thing that I've been doing is, uh, cause the cool thing that, um, you can do on Disney plus is you can watch these movies and TV shows in different languages. Um, so I've oh, been wow. watching, um, uh, star Wars rebels in French, uh, to help me brush up on my French. Um, so if you are out oh. of ideas of, uh, TV shows to watch, just watch <laughs> your favorite TV shows in a different language. So wait, do you speak um, French? I am learning. Yeah. Oh my god, that's actually a genius. Je toujours apprendre le français. Yeah, that's pushing past so my French. All I'm, I know is yeah, je m'appelle. I, I uh, <laughs> um, use Duolingo, which is probably not, um, you know, the way to get you fluent. So that's why I'm watching TV shows I, in French. I love <laughs> I mean, what is Stormtrooper in French? I don't even know. I didn't catch that. Like, I don't understand <laughs> most of what's happening. Um, but I'll have to take a look at that. I love yeah. it so much. I'm that learning Polish as well, but I can't find any TV shows um, with Polish captions. Oh, my so. gosh. Well, if anyone's listening and has any recommendations, make sure you uh, chase, yes, chase Laura down on social media and give her your Polish dubbed yes, um, recommendations. Well, and a little bit tells me that you have some suggestions for some at-home games as opposed to if you're stuck at home, what can people do to yeah, amuse so, themselves? Yeah, um, so some things that uh, my friends and I have discovered. I, I have a really group, a really good group of friends. Uh, we met in grad school. We've been really close um, for the last few years. Um, and um, even though we don't actually all live in the same place anymore. Uh, this, um, this situation has really um, helped us explore ways that we can hang out with each other without being in the same area. And so we have discovered that you can play uh, Dungeons and Dragons online. Um, so we're learning how to play Ooh. that. Um, so also, if you have any suggestions on, on how to play Dungeons and Dragons, send those my way. Um, we're also <laughs> doing um, PowerPoint parties. So we put yes. together PowerPoint presentations. Um, it's been excellent fun. Um, I have heard a really fun spin on this new on the on because I've seen PowerPoint parties is a new thing that's like mm -hmm. my favorite thing ever. But the latest spin is that you have to do the have to write up your PowerPoint presentation and then someone else has to do it sight unseen. Oh. 
So you give them the presentation and they have to oh, fake I love it through. That. I know. That I'm is like, that's amazing. amazing. The, the one that I'm putting together right now. Um, so this is how I deal with stress is I decided I was going to memorize all the countries in the world. Um, so I did that and I was like, that can be my PowerPoint presentation. Although that would be really boring to listen to someone recite all the countries. So I'm finding the weirdest tourist attraction in each country. Um, but that would be a good one to just give my PowerPoint presentation to someone and yes. them to figure out like what, what is going on in this, in this picture. I, I like this idea. I, I can, rec- I can recommend, I can recommend to you for Australia, we like big, big things. things, actual actual big things. So like all around Australia are these very strange um, giant uh, monument things to like pineapple <laughs> or a banana or a, or, a, or a sheep or a prawn or a, you know, there's one as a DNA strand and they're literally called the big things. So you go to the big pineapple, you go to the <laughs> big banana. Ama- what are it's, they made out of? like huge plastic things like they're literally like many feet tall like they're uh, they're absolute tourist attraction you just go type in big things australia and you will be go you will go down a rabbit hole of craziness yeah it's it's bananas (laughs) very big (laughs) very big bananas laura beth thank you so much for joining me today on we are thank you so much for having me i had so much fun yeah laura beth johnson's debut young adult novel is Goddess in the Machine and it's coming out June 30. So it's available for pre-order from all bookstores. If you're at home, it's also available for pre-order in both ebook and audio on your favourite platforms. You can follow Laura Beth on both Twitter and Instagram. Tomorrow's guest is Stephanie Perkins, the YA author of rom-com classics Anna and the French Kiss, Lola and the Boy Next Door and Isla and the Happy, Happily Ever After. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>